0: Welcome to the Art and Science of Complex Sales. This is a podcast where we explore how the best B2B sales leaders make the complex simple, drive relationships and revenue, and generally elevate the sales profession. In this podcast, we're bringing together sales experts, thought leaders, top account executives, buyers, industry insiders, all to share their experiences and best practices for navigating the complex sales cycle. So whether you're a seasoned sales professional a sales leader, are just starting out, you're going to find practical insights and actionable advice that you can apply to your own sales journey. Plus, we have a bit of fun. Casey Jaycox is infectious with his positivity and his curiosity. A top-performing sales leader, podcaster, executive leadership coach, and author of Win the Relationship, Not the Deal, Casey brings his whole self to the party in whatever he's doing. He works to help sales teams and leaders unlock their superpowers of humility, vulnerability, and curiosity, and by doing so, changes the lives of those he works with for the better. Let's dive in with Casey today.
1: Casey, welcome to the show, man. It's great to have you. I'm honored. I I love everything about art and science of sales. So your title, when I saw this podcast, I was like, oh my God, it's going to be a blast.
0: Well, I got to tell you, like in our first conversation together, I mean... To be completely transparent, I think this is like the third one we've had, but as the first it, uh, the first conversation we had together, I was just like, this guy's a brother in arms. Absolutely love, love your <laughs> thoughts on sales. And we got, can't wait to dive into them. So you've done a lot of things in the world of sales. And so uh, do you mind giving kind of your backstory to the, the audience here and just letting them know a little bit of how you got into sales and, and some of your history
1: there? Yeah, you bet. So I've been doing this for selling for you know 25 years or so uh give or take a former college athlete whenever i mention that specifically a college quarterback i gotta give love to uncle rico from Napoleon dynamite's ways to make fun of myself that i still can throw that over ball
0: the
1: about I I throw throw believe it or not my shoulder is so sore today because yesterday was July 4th I'm not sure when this episode will come out and I thought it'd be a good idea to throw 40 yard bombs to my son and his buddies jumping off a raft into the water. And I'm like, God, oh, why is my shoulder so sore today? I'm like, but I'm not going to complain to my kids or my wife. Cause I don't want to show weakness to them. Even though we're going to talk about vulnerability today. Um, I, well, I, I did the same thing, except it wasn't 40 yard bombs. It was about
0: five yard uh, bombs into uh one of those out of ground pools that the kids are all playing. Oh, They're yeah. all playing like keep away and, and uh, fly. They're trying to get the ball from each other.
1: So I don't have anything to complain about. Cool. Yeah. So I spent... Um, so I think a- ath- being an athlete taught me so much. I-, I had a... I like to always talk about it, an injury that happened to me in high school that shaped who I was and who I become and who I'm still becoming to this day. But I worked... My first job out of school was a barcoding labeling software company. I worked for one of my old high school football coaches. Shout out, Matt Zerotsky, if you're listening. And then I got into the staffing business, and it, which transitioned more to like, uh, consultative selling to more project selling, Um, outsource work. I did at a company called K-Force, worked there for almost 20 years. I would say, right guy, right time, right place. I was our number one performer or producer nationally for 10 consecutive years before moving into an executive role. And um, that was a blast. I I was able to help lead some sales transformation work, some training, some coaching, some speaking. I was executive sponsor over some of our largest accounts. And then um, at the end of that three-year executive run, they offered me a role that really didn't align with what I wanted to do. And then we agreed to to part ways. It was a great divorce. And, and then it took a few months to get my mind right. And I knew that I wanted to always write a book, which I ended up doing called Win the Relationship, Not the Deal, which was like a, a Christmas vacation Griswold moment when he saw his tree. When I said, Win the Relationship, Not the Deal, that's when the, the glow of the Griswold's tree hit me. And then I started speaking and doing a podcast and then coaching found me. I did not plan on doing this. and Literally, it, it found me. And so... So now I do sales leadership work, um, teaching—not um, theory, but real-world examples of how I did it, how I still do it. I don't guess. Hey, try that. Everything I coach my clients on are based on real-world experience, real-world failure, um, or real-world success. So, you know, we'll stop there to see if that kind of sets stage for us.
0: Yeah. Well, let's go back to the Uncle Rico moment. Let's so say it's one of the uh, things you said <laughs> early on in that description was that you 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 know being an athlete taught you so much that you could brought, bring into the world of sales
1: and the world of uh, business tell me a little bit about that yeah well it started when i was in high school so i was a um skinny buck 70 they used to call me meat and potatoes cuz it was like hey start eating and um, i joked I look like you know beetle playing football like just a you know pumpkin with a tooth on a toothpick and and it took the final, which is not if people can see, but I have the word believe b- behind me, which is a sign I, I think about from Ted Lasso. It's a sign. I It's a word I talk to my clients around about like just believing what we do matters. And not that my parents or no one didn't do a bad job. I just didn't really have that self-belief that I'm going to be our starting quarterback. I'm our guy. And one of my coaches, Marty Osborne did. He said, Hey, if you, if you can get in the weight room, if you can do A, B, and C, you'll be our starting quarterback. And I thought it was a joke. I'm like, there's no way he's saying this about me. Because there was a kid that was my age. He was um, already on the junior varsity team, we're the same age. So I was on the sophomore team. So you would have, you would have thought, oh, there's the story. I'm screwed. He's going to eventually take over. Well, he opens it up for competition. And once I just learned about belief, I learned about goal setting, I learned about like visualization, everything I knew I had to do, I wrote down on a gold piece, a piece of paper. I can still see it, Paul, near, near my bed as a 16 year old. I'm 47 now. I can literally still see it next to my bed. What's your bench? What's your squat? You're clean. Here are all the things you should want to do. And uh, fast forward the story, I, I end up you know working out three days a week before school, three days a week after school, throwing on Mondays and Tuesdays. Like I did, I squeezed every ounce of athletic ability to go play at the next level. I end up beating him out. It was like, oh my god, I finally did it. So I start my junior year. We have this okay season. I remember getting interviewed a couple of times. Like, hey, how did it feel to have that many drops in a game? And so like that experience taught me I could either be all about me or I could say, hey, you know, I didn't do a good enough job making it. Easier on, on my team. I, I I so I learned the power of humility and being a leader and and own blaming myself first before blaming others, which I think a lot of sellers, it's easy to point the finger versus do we have a sales pipeline? Are we going to point ourselves point the finger at ourselves and say, hey, are we asking the right questions? So I ended up having a, a decent junior year. I go to the University of Washington football camp my senior season. I go with another another kid my on my on my team. And I just went because he was getting recruited. I was just kind of like along for the ride. Like, oh, that'd be kind of fun. Play with a lot of good athletes and I end up having a really good camp, not realizing how good I had had until they end of the camp, they're giving out awards and they announce the, all right, and today's MVP of the camp, most viable quarterback is Casey Jacobs. I was like, what? Like completely shocked out of left field. And I go from not being recruited to all of a sudden, now I'm on UW's, UW's radar back in 1994. Yep. I'm like, oh my God. Now my confidence is built. Now I'm we're rolling. Now we're the guy that, you know, who I beat out, he's playing tight end first this year. So he's an athlete. We're like, we're feeling great. That kid would actually go on to get drafted by the Yankees in, in professional baseball and make it to AAA. So parts are coming together. We're feeling great until Paul, the last play of the Jamboree, which is what we have these practice games against other teams. And I get put back in the last play, take the snap, slow to get to me. Defensive tackle shoots the gap. His knee gets somehow onto my toes so I can't move. Now I'm stuck. The defensive end comes from behind, blast me in the back. It feels felt like the tongue of my shoe exploded, like just flew out. I knew something was right. Immediately went into shock. I tried to stand up, took a step, collapsed, tried to get up again, collapsed. I'm like, uh-oh. Trainer comes out in typical high school. I think you're going to be fine. Just get some ibuprofen. You'll be back at the game. you know, uh, Two hours later, the pain's excruciating. I'm starting to feel tears in my eyes. Uh, my, my parents are driving me home. I'm like, man, well, something's not right. And they're like, oh, let's go to the ER. Go to the ER. I'm in surgery two hours later, getting uh, a pin put into my one of my longest bones in my foot and I broken th- so I ended up breaking four bones in my foot. Senior season done. Oh the guy that I beat out, now he has to go play a quarterback. So I, I got I th- taught about it's not all about you. Life will go on. Just mm-hmm. like when I left K Force, can you imagine they didn't go out of business? They did they made it without me. It's a miracle. So though that example helped me prepare for that moment. And after about the third week of the season, I was Depressed. I was feeling sorry for myself. I was thinking bad habits, bad thoughts. I was hoping this kid would suck. I hope he threw fifty-eight interceptions because it was all about me. I was a captain. Where's my glory? And I didn't have any. And so something inside of me said, "You're not going out this way." And so I went and talked to my coach, Marty Osborne. I said, "Coach, I'm embarrassed by my behavior. You're not seeing it, but in my head, I am a disaster. I'm stressed out. and frustrated. I, I just, I have no purpose." And he just looked at me. goes, man, I'm so proud of you. I'm like, did you hear what I just said? How could he be proud of me for what I just told you? He's like, because you had the vulnerability to come ask for help. And he goes, Case, well, we, we got a role for you. I'm like, what? Like, what can I do? I'm hurt. I just had this piss poor attitude. He's like, you know, this offense better than I do. You're going to go up in the booth and you're going to help me call plays the rest of the year. Now you in? I was just like, really? And it was like a vacuum sucked out. I got goosebumps telling the story. The goose, the vacuum sucked all the negative energy out, and now I was the guy that I beat out, and then he had to play. I'm now his quarterback coach, and it was the, one of the best moments ever in my entire life. I still think about it to this day. And you know, as it relates to sales, it taught me that you're only as good as the last call. You're only as good as your last month. I can sit and think about, oh my god, that was so great. Look at that throw. All of a sudden, as I'm talking about how great I am. We just we just got a penalty because I'm in the in the side you know doing celebrating in the field where I should be in the pl- huddle calling the next play, and my my college football coach named guy named Bo Baldwin who's the offensive of coordinator now down at um, ASU. One of the lines he told me that was still so impactful. He said, "Casey, if you have to tell people how uh, great you are, you're not that great. When they're when you're good, they'll tell you." And so it just reminded me that like as a seller, if I'm trying to convince people that they should buy this thing. They're going to resist me. If I have to tell people how great I am, they're going to resist me. But I have, if I ask great questions, if I show up humble, if I show up vulnerable to learn, vulnerable to ask questions, vulnerable to to say that, hey, yeah, I had a great year, but get in the huddle. Won't you know? I'll celebrate and talk about how awesome I am when I'm 90 in the assisted living facility. And we're comparing wheelchairs, and then then we can talk about it. But until now, it's like I have so much to prove still. And that injury just—it just continues to be a beacon of growth and reminder for me of what's what what I should be doing and how I want to go about doing things to become my best version of me.
0: Well, I'm gonna—I just was taking some notes when you're talking there, and I heard so many things that you're relating directly to sales, and I'm gonna ask you a question about that in a second. But let me just list them: like solid identity, goal setting. It's not about you. It's uh, not about the glory. It's about the journey, purpose, uh, only good as our last play, only good as our last call, uh, discipline. I mean, all of those things came into your story there. We should add resilience so, and grit there too. Resilience and grit. <laughs> yes. Resilience, grit. So so with that being said, I mean, we defined some of the aspects of sales, but what, what is like a, do you have a
1: concise, a clear definition of what you do every day? Um, I unlock the power of curiosity mm-hmm. within sellers and leaders. I inspire and unlock humility and vulnerability inside organizations. And I help sellers create the right mindset to attack uh, their job each and every day, almost down to the minute. Because most sellers were anxiety-based, we meaning that we Talk about what we need to do. Man, I need to grow my number. I need to start documenting more. I have to start making some more appointments. And to me, that language, I call these my swear words, which is need to, should to, want to, have to, and can't. Instead, I teach people to use two words and shorten that those words you're going to use. You're just going to say, I will. Hey, I, I need to start reading more. Okay. Let's commit to how many words, how many, how many minutes we're going to read today? Start small. I will, I will read for five minutes. I said that to a client earlier earlier this today. And it's amazing when you just say I will and then write it down. How much more simplistic we can be. But when we say what we need to do, we create it's like it's like it'd be like boarding a plane where the captain and co-puff take off and then he or she forgot to file a flight plan. Like, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be on that plane. Seems like a very stressful flight. So I teach relationship building. I mm-hmm. teach things that are maybe not sexy, but I teach the power of being nice. I teach the power of setting expectations. And when we don't set expectations, usually drama happens, self induced. I teach people to become better listeners through a curiosity framework. I teach people how to, how and why it's important to use a, C, a CRM to document because the one I use made me look way smarter than I am. I teach the power of practice. And then I teach patience and realizing that relationships take time to build and sure we'd like to say yeah i want to be the number one producer and make 70 million dollars well who doesn't
0: you know you're the first person in sales i've actually ever talked to that has had that perspective that relationships takes time like true relationships take time cuz when you when you go tactic based right when you there's a lot of there's a lot of tactic based coaching out there that's you know uh, persuasion based but that's all relative to bypassing a lot of a lot of the work that it takes to Have the relationship. So why do you focus? Why do you focus there instead of that tactics, the persuasion, that type of stuff?
1: Because I think when it's if I'm trying to convince someone to do something, I got taught and I believe and it helped and these stories hit hit home many ways. They're gonna clients prospects gonna resist all day long. My job is to become a curious storyteller. I, I believe that if when sellers can talk in the third person versus the first person. Clients and prospects are a lot more likely to listen. What I mean by that is if I say, hey, Paul, you should hire me for as a sales coach, because I'm freaking, I'm a beast. I'm a savage. I'm gonna help you solve your problems. Like, oof, I'm like, whoa, slow down, brother. But if I say, hey, you know, if, if I understand your problems right, you know, t- tell me how important it would be to, to work with a sales coach over 20 years' experience doing at an elite level within your industry. Mm, sounds good. Well, that was my background. And here's how, here's what many of my clients are saying, why they've chosen to hire me. Whether you choose to or not, that's up to you. I'm just going to share what other clients have shared their success based on these similar problems that you've already had. So I kind of just went into role play right there, real quick. But I think for me, when we become curious storytellers and ask great questions and listen for our prospects or clients to say those two words, "Great question, Paul." "Great question, Casey." Like that to me is differentiating yourself. That to me says, "Hey, that we're making the client think." You know, sometimes you might be, maybe there's a younger seller out there right now. It's listen. Well, Casey, I just started my job a week ago. I don't have any stories. And I would say, well, memorize your companies. Memorize their stories. Make them your own. The, the client's not going to say, hey, can you show me the email where you actually were part of that deal? Like, so I think it's like when you can make it more about a team approach and understand stories of around the problems your company solves.
0: Yeah. One of the things that that, that takes, and I one of the words that I want to dive into too with you is mindset. Right, So it takes a shift in I'm I'm essentially here in abundance mentality, right? To come at sales with an abundance mentality and, and a relationship mentality, it is a complete shift in mindset from a lot of, lot of
1: things that people are taught. So, how do you help people define an attack mindset? So I was lucky enough to work with a for um a company called Limitless Minds, which is a guy named Russell Wilson, has probably heard of him, Seahawks quarterback at one point, now Denver. Um They have a great company. And I met some fantastic people there. And I did some brief consulting work before. I just kind of my own personal stuff was growing. So I just we kind of agreed to part ways and we're still great friends. But I had the ability to work with some really smart uh, mindset coaches. And I learned a lot about the power of visualization. I learned a lot power of the words we say. And I learned a lot about, uh, as humans, we have on on average around 80 80 to 90,000 thoughts a day. Uh, of those 80,000 thoughts, and 80, 90,000 thoughts, 80 to 90% of those thoughts can be negative. So if I start up by saying, man, I, I need to call Paul, but he's probably going to be busy. I, I'll call him tomorrow. I'll shoot an email. All these stories we tell ourselves, it just creates, it's kind of like the golfer. hole. Mm, I hate the eight hole. There's bunkers down left-hand side. There's water, right. Well, weird. I keep going into trouble. So for me, this belief sign behind me—I know people can't see it—but think about that Ted Lasso, that great show on Apple TV. But the, the Ted Lasso believe. Before I coach anybody or work with people, or even when I speak to sales teams, I say, "Here, who raise the hands? Who here believes what he or she does matters?" It's some hands up. I go ask again, like truly, like you believe that what you do here helps solve a problem, takes away pain, helps a client make their job, whatever process, better. Do you truly believe that? Like you truly do, they're like, yeah, I go, perfect. Then there's no reason you should have any fear to call or do anything because you know, you believe what you do matters. It's coming from a mindset of you can help people. Now, when I see that you don't have that confidence, I'm going to say, man, tell me what's changed. I'm going to stare at you. And you're going to be like, what are you talking about? I said, well, you told me back on June 1st or July 5th, whatever, that you believe what you do matters, but I don't, I don't believe you anymore. It doesn't look like you believe what you do matters. And quickly people will kind of self Get themselves right back. I mean, I think I read the book. I'm not sure you've heard about this book, but Mindset by Carol Dweck. Yes, um, that that, by, that book's fantastic. I think. Yeah, we right.
0: talked. We talked about that the first time we the first time we talked. Uh, absolutely, it's
1: amazing. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a daily practice. So, you know, mindset. I, I also learned through this journey with my friends at Limitless Minds a, um, a four minute meditation called HA, H A W, where literally I, I breathe for a minute. Second minute, minute. I'm talking about I have statements. These are. I'm saying this out loud. I by myself. I go outside and I do it. I set the timer on my phone. I just walk. And so, a minute that first minute, like I mentioned, I'm just breathing. Second minute is I have statements. This could be physical things, emotional things, or opportunistic things. I have an opportunity to document my sales force. I have an opportunity to set six meetings today. I have an opportunity to crush that podcast of Paul. I have an opportunity to sh- be a present dad. Like I'm telling myself positive things. Boom, timer goes off. Third minute is I am statements. Again, physical, emotional, opportunistic. I'm a great dad. I'm a curious storyteller. I'm a present friend. I am a great this. I'm again self-talk, positive self-talk. And then the last minute is I will. Physical, emotional, opportunistic. Now I'm not a doctor, Paul, but it works. And when I get done doing this four minutes meditation, something inside of me triggers. I feel like ju- the juices, the chemicals, something's something's mixing in, in this kitchen inside of me. I don't know why, but it works. And I've learned and I've studied that, you know, elite performers, regardless of what you do, could be athletics, could be theater, could be military, like their positive self-talk, their visualization, their goal setting. It's all present. And what's even what's not present is their ego. They check it at the door and they realize that they don't have all the answers in life.
0: Well, let's, let's dive into a second word that I think that's really important that we talk about, which is, and you mentioned it early on, uh, is humility, right? Um, this is like, we're told to be many people tell you, you need to be uber confident. You need to almost be cocky, but that's, that's a difference between the type of humility that you're, you're talking about. So do you mind diving into that? Like, why is why
1: is humility so incredibly important in the sales realm? We're gonna go on Rico again. I think, okay. you know, as I as I think about like when I put quarterback, if I got in the huddle and said, "Hey, linemen, you fat pigs, start blocking for me. You guys stink." Hey, receiver, hey, jelly fingers, have a yeah. catch the ball once in a while. I mean, wow, they're really gonna block hard for me. I'm joking, obviously, right? But to me, it was it was always about them. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite moments from college football is my senior year in college. I had a bunch of, I had some of my line, uh, receive all league honors. So for all the football fans out there, see, Paul put you on the spot. How many offensive linemen block for a team? And I mean, in in a game five. Okay. I had six offensive linemen named all league. How's that? Holy mackerel. That's That's awesome. awesome. First team, second team or honorable mention. Wow. One of my guards got hurt and the backup came in. He got honorable mention. So I had six. Now my mind, I'm thinking, how's, why is not no one talking about this? So, you know, every week I'd be interviewed by the, our beat reporter. I called him. I said, Hey, Roger, do you know how many all league linemen we have at central this year? He's like, I don't. I go, you should. Why? Well, because we had six offensive linemen named. Tell me the last time you ever heard about a football team having six offensive linemen named all league. Sounds like you got a great story if you want one. Here's the catch. Do not tell them it's my idea. This is your idea. So all I had to do was like tell our offensive line coach and because I wanted to be about them. I didn't want to be about me. Right. And so they came up, they did the story, got their picture in the paper. And at the very end of the article, he goes, none of this would have happened without a slew from a heartfelt teammate. So eventually kind of came out, which was, it was actually cool. Like it brought our, they were like, dude, I can't believe you did this. I'm like, I can't believe you guys have, I am that lucky of a quarterback to have six. Offensive lineman protecting me, like I'm the lucky one. What are you talking about? So it's like I think about about that moment. I think about a recent time where I was speaking at a company, and right before I went on, their head of marketing goes, "Sometimes everybody, you got to fake it till you make it." Now in my mind, I was like, it was almost like you know the movie Animal House when the they go into the, the bar and it's all of a sudden you hear the music kind of squeak and stop. Mm-hmm. That almost happened inside my mind because in my presentation, I had a slide that says, don't fake it till you make it. If you get that, avo- if you get that advice from a leader, run away. Now I'm like, oh my God, this is going to either be a disaster and I'm going to get booed off stage and and probably fired and they're not going to pay my speaking fee. So what am I going to do? What am I doing? I'm like, I go, screw it. I go. Hey, before we get started, everybody, um, gentlemen in the back, I know we don't know each other. I know you just give some really good advice from your opinion about faking to make it. I just want to, we're going to pretend like no one else is here, but me and you. I have a slide that says exact opposite thing. So I just want to apologize now, but I want to get ahead of it. And I'm hoping you can be open minded to to hear my side. I'll, I've already heard your style, and we can maybe talk about it in the end. And so I, my reason for saying that is you got to be yourself. Mm-hmm. If I go in trying to be, okay, my Casey at work and my Casey at home, my, like when, when you tell the truth and you're yourself, it's a much easier character to play. Yeah. Right. And so I think the power of asking for help, the power of saying, Hey, Mr. and Mrs. client, hey, tell me more about that. Or just asking, or maybe relate to your sales pipeline. Tell me more about that. I think it, it, it all goes in line with humility. I and mean, maybe the last example I'll share is when I was at K Force, you know, I would give a, a speech at, the, at our President's Club trip every year. And what drove me more than anything was my, when my, every year, my sales numbers kept going up and up and up and up and up. And the gap between me and number two kept going wider and wider and wider. But what drove me the most was when my CEO would say, I, I don't understand it. I thought last year's number was big. You beat that number and you're more, you're actually more humble this year. It makes no sense. We have never seen this before. That drove me. The feeling of like, I never want to be like, oh yeah. Remember when he, after the year six, when he, he won it again, he was just a complete a-hole. He treated his office staff like crap. He, he treated finance like crap. He treated marketing like crap. He blamed everybody else. It's like, no one wants to work with someone like that. And so mm-hmm. for me, again, full circle back to Uncle Rico and the football story from Napoleon Dynamite. That's what drove me. And I I know that the best leaders I've ever worked with are humble. They're vulnerable to ask for help. It's not about them. They make it about me. They get me talking. They get me curious. They, they want, they, they create these environments where I want to be around them. Like that, you know, I would call it that My Angelo moment. And what you said, not what you said, why you said, how do you make people feel? That to me, I think humility is, is a gift and most people miss it.
0: Yeah. I think it's, I mean, it's ancient wisdom because it works, right? It's, uh, it, and that's practical as well as it's a great character attribute. So Thanks for modeling that. Man. I mean, I, and I mean, and I say thank you for all of us in the sales world. And it's just, it's incredibly important to model. And it doesn't mean that the flip side of that is like, it, it doesn't mean that you're not good at what you do. It doesn't mean that you're not confident. It doesn't mean that you don't have the ability. It doesn't mean that you're not, it means you can judge what you could do for yourself, right. And stand under your abilities. This is what I'm hearing you say. Totally. But but then also judge each other, judge others for what they can do and stand in their ability. Right. And then just add to it. It, yeah. beca- it becomes
1: humility makes things additive rather than subtractive. Um, no one's perfect. We don't have it all figured out. I don't care who you are. We all have gaps. We all can get better. Um, that's it. why we watch film. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we watch film. Oh man. Know.
0: I've been telling myself lies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let's let's go to the last part about that because you are being incredibly vulnerable in this, just in sharing, right? So mm-hmm. let's let's go to to that topic and that word that that I have written down here in the notes, which is uh, vulnerability. Like, why is vulnerability so important, and how do you leverage it in the world of sales when you're supposed to have all the answers, right? When you feel like you're
1: supposed to have all the answers. I, I think I think vulnerability is even more important for sales leaders if he or she can create the right environment that where sellers feel safe to come ask for help because they have a deal stuck. They don't know what a 10K is. They don't know what this word means in this business. They don't understand what that is. If you as a sales leader make them feel like an idiot and they're worthless and weak and not smart, and you just crush their confidence, fear loves to hide inside, inside of companies, specifically sales teams, mm-hmm. where our ego ego gets in the way. So for me... One of the most powerful lessons on vulnerability I retaught myself was with my good friend, former client, Megan McCann. She's CEO of a company called McCann Partners in Chicago. And one day Megan asked me how I was doing. And I said, just like I, we started a coaching call. She says, I'm I'm great. And at the minute 47, Mark, I said, Hey, Megan, hold up. I lied to you today. She's like, what? She looked perplexed. She's like, "What? Why, what? Why would you do that? I go you asked me how I was doing at the minute at the 47 minutes ago. And I lied to you. I told you I'm great and I'm not. So can you ask me that again? And she looked at me like, what are you doing? Like, what the hell's going on? Here? I go, ask me again. I say, how you doing? I go, okay. How are you doing? I go, I'm doing part of my French here, Paul. I go, I'm doing shitty. She's like, well, why? I go, cause my dad's dying. And I didn't, I wasn't honest with you. And it's BS that I didn't think to share that with you when you probably were seeing eventually it's going to come out, but if I'm vulnerable, well, show up me. Hey, Megan, I'm I'm excited to coach you today. I'm excited to work today, but I'm not, be, be honest with you, I'm having a tough day. My my dad's sick. He's in hospice, and I don't know how much more time I have with him. And she gets tears in her eyes. I get you know I get a little emotional. See, and she's like, "Oh my god!" And we have this like. She ends up talking about her dad. We, I end up talking about my dad. We have the stories going back and forth. Call it serendipity. Call it universe. What do you want to call it? God. I don't know what we want to call it. Miraculously, my next meeting canceled, her next meeting canceled. We talked for an hour and a half that day. At the end of it, I was like, I want to document this. I want to capture this. How can we, how can we capture this? And I go, I want to put a picture of my data and document what we just talked about. Cause I think this ex- types of experience will inspire people. Are you, can I do that? And she's like, sure, it'd be awesome. It was like, no, I didn't, I didn't post that. For likes, for views. I posted because I got inspired by the experience from Megan. That that post over 25, like thousand. I should try to find it and send it to you. And to me, it, it just it further empowered the vulnerability is an attractive skill set. Megan and I would actually go on to speak and share the story. Uh share the story at the conference last November called Tech Surf. And we we shared the story together in front of like 50 people on... We actually argued too that you know virtual selling, nothing's changed. It's changed in your mind if you keep telling yourself it's changed. But I used humility, vulnerability, and curiosity to win Megan in a virtual environment. And now I'm here in front of you speaking live that I made a client that I've never met before. First time I met her was at this conference and now we're delivering a speech to you guys. So I I hope that story resonates, the power of vulnerability. But I guess further back to, to sales, I think if you're a top performer, and you're not asking for help, you're missing out on an amazing opportunity to, to empower, embody that, that skill set for your younger associates. And you're also missing out on an opportunity to allow others to show their, to let them shine. Like if there's something that you're not as good at, like for me, I was joking with somebody yesterday, like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a good golfer. I'm a one handicap, but I'm horrible at cornhole. Like I am so bad. Like you think as an athlete, I'd be good. I suck at it. I'm like, why am I this bad? Asking for help. Hey, how do you throw these things? So, anyway, I joke. But I hope I hope that helps.
0: No, it helps it helps in a big way. I I'm going to recommend a book. I worked with a guy. His name is uh, Rob Rob Murray. He wrote he's written two books. One's called The Human Operating System. The second is uh, Fighting for the Heart. Okay, uh, it's talked about how emotional intelligence can transform the way you live. It's it's one of the things. One of the best things that I. And I all relate it directly to sales as well, but this concept with the concept of vulnerability, like Rob led me in a group that I was with, it was a six high performing guys, right? We're all uh, at the time I was COO of a nonprofit and others had, you know, very similar, you know, high performance type jobs and that type of stuff from all all around and we had to sit in this this group and i say had to we chose to we all chose to sit in this group and we had to we shared we shared what we were feeling that what we were feeling what was going on in our life and just what we were feeling without the ability to fix it so nobody in the group could offer recommendations on how to fix it and nobody in the group could offer any sort i mean they could offer at the end they could offer you truth or or what they what they thought about it, um, if you wanted it and if you asked for it, but it was one of the best like exercise I've ever, ever done in vulnerability, just the ability to actually be open. And then the relationships that formed outside the group were also fantastic because you then you started just being able to be you, right? There was no, there was no filter. There was nothing. Yeah. And then it goes to, you keep diving and you, you tie that all the way back to like at the beginning of what you were talking about, you were talking about identity, right? It f- helps you form that back to the, the mantra, like you and the, the, um, uh, meditation, if you're confident in that identity, the vulnerability is there, right? Cause there's mm-hmm. nothing you could share that could, could crush you. Um, yeah. And I just think it's so you're, you if I'm not asking for help one, I'm not doing my job well, because <laughs> I'm not that good. Right. You know, I need the help. But but to just being bringing that up and bringing that up and coaching people on that vulnerability, that is so crucial.
1: Um, well, I love. But thank you for saying that. I love. Um, actually, I hired my first coach. and Her name's Pam Slim, and yeah, I love when coach has a coach.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So now the people I work with are like, "But you have a coach?" I'm like, "Yeah. Guess what? I'm I'm flawed too, just like you. Welcome aboard." Yeah. And we all have. It goes back to that 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 gaps of. But I, you know, I, I think as I'm reflecting all this stuff, every time I talk about this, it just, it just further grounds me and reminds me of, we have a long way to go, but not to like be negative, but more like what an opportunity. Yeah. You know? And so.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. And and
1: one of the things that I,
0: I've started to realize about my walk, I don't know if you found it in yours, but the people that I find myself truly looking up to and and admiring. And by the way, I count you among that, because you, mm. you just you have an amazing story. And I, I I love it, but is is the people that are have that ability to just call it to be real, right, to be able to share to be able to come to the table with everything with your flaws, with your with your gifts, to know what it is, but to come to the table with it, and to be real mm-hmm. with it and be transparent. Humble, honest, and uh, man,
1: this has been a, a masterclass that you've given in that. So I really, truly appreciate it. Oh, I'm honored, man. You, Two of your words, art and science. I remember when I was uh, helping this transformation back in this company I was at a long time ago. I remember making sure that this company that we hired, I said, I want to make sure it's the art and the science. Don't want to take away the, the art of the letting them be themselves. And that's what I really consider, you know, the art of selling is got to be you, yeah, right. And your best today might not be his best today or her best day, but if you can be your best, regardless of how that looks like just be your best. And I think that's about the art.
0: Well, you shared your best today and I'm truly thankful for
1: it. Um, is there any
0: final words? Well, not final words, but any, any last uh, words you want to share with
1: the audience? Um, I would just say, you know, if if people enjoyed what we talked about today, I'm very active on LinkedIn. They can find me there. Um, Best way to learn, me, learn more about me be my website, which is just kcjcox.com. I I know that we didn't get a chance to talk about the I run a podcast as well for dads called the quarterback dadcast. And you're gonna be a future guest, which I can't wait to learn your story and we'll we'll trade roles. But you know, I think about that podcast, I get free therapy every week. Uh I it reminds me that regardless of you're a COO, you're a janitor, you're a bus driver, you're an NFL hockey, I mean NFL player or NHL hockey announcer. Our kids really don't care. Hey, are you getting to kid? Are you getting me to practice on time? Hey, can you help me with my math? Hey, um, Bobby was mean to me. What should I do? Hey, I think I have a crush on Sally. Hey, my my mom did this. My dad like it. It brings us down to this level of like back to realness and authenticity and vulnerability. We're talking about, and I'm learning that through this podcast journey, it's helping sales leaders or company leaders open up their side. Uh, and then we share it and their company all of a sudden gets to see a side when they didn't know existed, which increases culture, improves culture, brings more connectivity, brings more rapport, things, people to build relationships. And that was not the goal when I started it, but it's organically happened. So we're every new episodes out every Thursday morning. So I would encourage people to, to check that out. And then if you want to look at find my, my book, it is on Amazon. It's called win the relationship, not the deal. So I would, that's, what I would leave everybody with today. Nice. So
0: win the relationship, not the deal. Uh what's the podcast name again? The the quarterback dad cast. The quarterback dad cast every Thursday morning. Absolutely <laughs> worth a listen. It's worth worth just hearing from Casey on an ongoing basis. Can we have you back?
1: Sure. Love to. I'd be honored. Okay.
0: Yeah. I'll I'll uh we'll definitely have you back. And we'll post all all your details too on on uh the podcast when we when we publish it for any, everybody. So thank you so much. And um With that, everybody, we're going to sign off. Have an amazing day. Thank you for listening to the Art and Science of Complex Sales, and we will talk with you soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Art and Science of Complex Sales. This podcast is sponsored by Membrane and our partners from around the globe. Here at Membrane, we believe that B2B sales is at a crossroads. Due to decades of quantity based prospecting, information overload, and really a shift towards efficiency over service and pitching over leadership in sales, customers are saying enough, it's enough. They're tuning out average performers and choosing to take most of the buying journey on their own. This results in up and down sales results, forecasts that are all over the place and salespeople that are half committed due to the fact that they're having poor results and they have an inability to truly connect with customers. We believe the road successful companies are taking to combat this is threefold. Number one, training to create leaders and executives across all areas of the team with strong habits and sales methodologies that bring value. Number two, technology. Technology that focuses and helps a salesperson succeed and reinforces great habits, rather than wasting their time on filling out fields for reporting or wasting their time on spamming customers that have no interest in ever buying. Third, talent, and I'm talking about talent that's empowered and emboldened to make a difference for the customers and their companies. So where are you on that journey? Membrane and our network of partners across the globe are here to help and to elevate the sales profession. We streamline critical technology by combining CRM, training and enablement, and more into one seamless platform. We drive best-in-class methodologies through our partners. They provide the top thought leadership methodologies and resources from across the globe. And our collective efforts are dedicated to recruiting, training, coaching, and empowering and measuring the habits of the top teams in the world to ensure success. Join us at Membrane.com to learn more. And thank you so much for listening.